good morning. Uh, my name is Matt. I'm part of the preaching team here. I get to stand up here three or four times a year and, and uh, try to follow and all the other guys' good sermons. Um, you know, we, we sort of saw something here this morning uh, right at the beginning with Peter. And uh, this could be sort of a defining moment for him is that he's now here working on staff. And this kind of thing could change his life forever. Hopefully working here will be good for him, right? <laughs> um, but we all have these defining moments in our lives that we can remember and they sort of change the course of our lives. They're all different things. You know, it could be marriage, could be graduating from college, could be just about anything um, that says, oh, my, your life's going a different direction now. And it either defines you for good or defines you for bad, one way or the other, but it's a defining moment. Um, when I was in the eighth grade, I had one of these defining moments. As I said before, I grew up in a neighborhood and went to a school where I was the target. I was bullied and harassed for years. It just felt relentless. And... Um, I tried to be a good kid, tried to stay under the radar, didn't fight back, all that kind of stuff. I tried to always be the good kid. Um, but in the eighth grade, another form of harassment came by this kid named Andre. And uh, Andre wasn't liked by the other bullies, so he was this odd thing, just came out of the blue. I had no idea why he wanted to harass me and bother me. And uh, he, had a, he was shorter than I was. He had a big mouth and a bigger ego to go with it. And I always knew I could take him if I wanted to, but I didn't because good kids don't do that, right? Well, the tension finally exploded, and we got into this knockdown, drag-out fight on the schoolyard. And uh, I got into this karate stance, not because I watched TV, but because I was taking karate lessons at the time. And Andre said, in the middle of it, he says, if you kick me, I'll kill you. And I said, okay. And I proceeded to wail on him. Little did he know that a friend of mine had also taught me a judo move. And I threw him on the ground. Now, I am totally out of control. Out of control. I'm like Ralphie in the Christmas story, okay? I am like that. And I, I pounce on him, and I just get ready to clock him. And all of a sudden, this hand catches me. And now I'm mad at this hand, and I'm gonna turn around and take the hand out. Well, works out to be my fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Bordenave, who is maybe five foot tall on a good day, small of stature, and I looked up and I went, oh. This lady had so much impact on me that I respected her, and I got up. Well, um, that's a nice story, Matt, but what does this mean? I was the good kid, right? I was the good kid. But to Andre's detriment, he got all the years of bullying unleashed on him at one time. That's pretty ugly. 
And the next day, Mrs. Bordenave said, you were never like that. And I thought, I'm not like that. But yet, there's something here that I think we need to realize, which I did, is at that point, I realized as a 13-year-old that there is a dark side to me, which there is a dark side to you that you don't see. Now, I decided that I would manage it from there on. Now, at this point, I had not come to saving faith in Christ. I knew nothing about this concept I'm going to speak of, but I decided I would manage my emotions. Now, the only problem with managing your emotions is you try to shut one down, guess what else happens? All the other ones shut down. Okay, But I did it. And I never blew up like that again. Although I've had instances where I've blown up, but not that ugly. I mean, I was out for blood. It was, I look back on it, I, I would laugh at it previously. I look at it back and go, wow, that, that was ugly. That was ugly. But you see, all of us have this inclination to sin. All of us have this dark side. No, we don't rob banks. No, we don't get into fist fights. But we struggle with sin at various levels. Big, bad, in between. And it dogs us. Um, but I need to warn you that don't be surprised of what you're capable of doing in the sin category. Because you can sin bigly. Right? What is bigly? <laughs> right? Something that is far beyond what we could have ever imagined. That's how big your sin could get. Ugh. Now, let me show you just a small example of how this sin side of you works. Just a small example. Um, can you see that? Yes. Uh, we were with some good friends up at Hood River. We won't name them because I'm supposed to, not supposed to name people's names anymore up here. Um, you notice it says, please do not squeeze the fruit. Now, obviously, people were squeezing the fruit. Now, it doesn't define what the squeeze is, right? Is it the kind of squeeze when you and your wife are on good terms, very hard? Or is it one of those icy cold quarter, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to kind of squeeze? You don't know. Is it a squeeze where you, you put a dent in the fruit. What is it? Well, obviously, they had a problem with it. But I can imagine people going, yeah, I'm going to go squeeze some fruit, right? That's what you're thinking. Okay, then we go to the next one. It says, don't climb on the fence. Now, this is at a vineyard. So why are adults climbing on the fence? Makes no sense, but and the thing is, on the other side of the fence was goats. Who wants to climb get with the goats? Makes no sense. Okay, then the next one. Do not pick the veggies. The veggies are used by our food truck. Okay, basically they're saying, don't take the veggies off of the plants. Okay, but then right next to it was this. These are on the ground. Now, I could rationalize this as to say, I didn't pick them. I can pick them up, but I did not pick them because 
I figured a way around the law, right? We didn't pick those up, just so you know. Um, see, these signs, and we see them everywhere, most of our immediate reaction to these signs, and especially with me, is you ignore it, you disobey it, try to figure out a way around it. I even had a guy where I worked that had, um, he had this three-ring binder, you know, had the clear plastic cover on it, and inside of it was a piece of paper that says, don't touch, this belongs to Rich Byron. So I'm looking at that, and I'm going, oh, this is great. So I pull the piece of paper out, I put my hand on it, and draw my hand on it, and slide it back in. <laughs> I mean, I had to disobey the sign. Um, but, you know, you know this feeling. Now, Christians are supposed to do good all the time, right? Why do we mess with these signs? You know, um, speed says 50. How fast do you go? Lakeshore Drive says 45. How fast do you go? Now, I'm guilty too. I always, you know, I'm talking to myself. Now, we're supposed to do good, but I've also run into some legalists who have said, I follow every signage that is out there. And I go, hmm, really now, do you? And they look at me and, oh, well, yeah, maybe, I, maybe I don't. I want to talk to you today about a passage of Scripture that talks about this battle between good and sin. Because we all have to fight with it. It's there in front of us. You know, you go to Baskin Robbins, you should only get maybe two samples. You try to squeeze out three, just see if you can get away with it. But we're going to look at Romans 7 today. But let me give you a little background on this. Uh, chapter 5 of Romans talks about the fact that Christ's death has justified us, which basically means in God's eyes, we are righteous. It's just as if we have not sinned, is the way some people put it. That's how God sees us, even though we are still living in this area of sin in our lives. But the justification has brought our relationship back together with him, so we are one of his children. Chapter 6 talks about we have to understand that sin remains in our mortal bodies, even though our spiritual nature has been declared righteous. That's where 2 Corinthians 5 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's a new nature. That's our spiritual nature in this body. And we are not allowed to have sin take precedence in our life or reign in our life. So there's that battle. So basically, Paul's case is that we have a new nature inside an old body. Yeah. And the old body in Scripture is sometimes referred to as the flesh or the body of sin. And how that plays out is our new nature says, do this. The old nature says, I have a better idea. The new nature says, obey God. The old nature says, obey your inclinations. At each point, we have a decision to make. We follow God or we follow sin. There's no middle ground. There's, no, there's nothing there. There's no gray areas. Yes or no, right or wrong, zero or one, however, yes or no. 
That's what it is. So let me show you what Paul has to say. Oh, we're done talking about that. Okay, here we go. He says, this is Romans 7, starting at verse 14. And I'm going to take these in little chunks. And it says, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. Okay, the law he's talking about here is God's law. This is what we basically know as the Ten Commandments. But if you want to do some more research, there's about 600 more. And to find those, go to Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You'll find them there. So Paul is saying that law is spiritual. And he's saying, but I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do, want, do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. So basically he's saying that if we end up doing something that we hate and it's against God's law, guess what we're saying? God's law is good. It always is. But we have to learn it the hard way many times. Oh yeah, God was right. God was right. I shouldn't have done that. And so we've, the, this is also the way the law works is it shows us where we're not cutting it. You know, people think they can earn their way to God by being good enough, you know, whatever that means. But the law just shows us we can't do it. God's law says, here's the standard, meet the standard. Can't do it. So, let's go to the next thing there, Richard. says, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Do you hear that? This is the Apostle Paul of all people saying, sin lives in me. You go, wait a minute. I thought he was a super saint. Didn't he? Wrote most of the Bible. Very intelligent, very spiritual guy. He's saying, sin lives in me. Which, guess what, people? Sin lives in us. Ugh. For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. See, there's that duality again. You have this spiritual nature and the sinful nature. Notice he's saying, good does not dwell in me. Romans 3.10 says something about, uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is no one who does good. That's a pretty distinct, no one does good. And he says, I want to do good, but I can't. I can't. Okay, Richard. For I do not good the do I want. Ah, this is so tricky. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Try to say that many times fast. He's saying he's stuck in this pattern of giving in to sin even though he desires to follow God. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Try to do good. Sin's right there with you. Then he says, So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Ooh. 
For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at war at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. This is interesting. You see, this is all going on in your mind. And it's instantaneous how we make these decisions and how it's instantaneous that we, a fair amount of the time, make the wrong decisions. But let me show you how this works. He says his mind is being attacked. So, let's say you have your devotions on a beautiful northwest day, like today is starting out. Not like last night. Okay? And you're having your coffee, and you just finished reading day 30 of your 30-day devotional book because you're feeling good that you got it done because good Christians always complete their devotions in the allotted amount of time, <laughs> right? And during your prayer time, because Christians always pray after their devotions, you ask the Lord to bless your efforts at being a good Christian today. You finish up, the day goes great, everything you do is good. You even helped a friend out with a last-minute disaster. Your goodness is unstoppable. So you go to the mall, and you see a car pulling out right in front of your favorite store. So you go to wait, and while you're waiting, a text comes in from the person you helped out with the last-minute disaster saying, thank you. And so you respond and thinking, Today is great. I am so good today. And when you look up, you realize that somebody pulled into your parking spot. You roll your window down. You yell at them with colorful metaphors that you taught your kids never to use. And to make sure that maybe they don't understand English, you use universal hand gestures. Right? You're angry. You're angry. This person took your spot. And then you go find another spot, and you sit and you go, why did I do that? You remember that sin in that context is wrong. You remember this is not the first time you blew up like this. You remember being at the Wendy's at JM Plaza, and some guy cut in front of you in line in the drive-thru. You wonder, what is wrong with me? You then remember your six- and eight-year-old children are in the back seat. The whole time, they were there. Now you get to explain that. But look at what Paul says next. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Ugh. He's looking for help. He's saying, how do I get rid of this? How do I deal with this? How do I manage this? Who's going to rescue me from this? Well, he pleads for, he's pleading for a Savior. The only answer is Jesus. 
And as I say that, you probably have this question, well, how do I fight this battle? You know, I don't want to give you 10 steps because if I give you 10 steps, you'll be good enough to finish the 10 steps and think you've got it figured out. It's not that way. You can't win this battle on your own. You can't. You need help. You know, have you ever decided to stop doing something? Like, you know, you set up accountability, you set up processes, you set up timers, you set up all sorts of things to remind you not to do whatever this is. You strive with your willpower, you grit your teeth, and then you're surprised when you fail. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to deal with this sin. It sounds mystical, sounds illogical, sounds strange. But we have to let him help us. Now, I'm not saying that we let go and let God. Some people believe that. I don't know how that works. I guess they just sit there and hope God does something. But really, nothing happens at that point. You stay the way you are. We need to make an effort, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to deal with whatever it is. This is where the transforming power of the Holy Spirit comes in where you wake up one day and you go, I don't want to do that anymore. It's from him. Now, I'm not saying you didn't put some effort in, but it's him healing the issue. So what I want to do today is just give you four basic things you need to learn. There's more, but just four basic things. First one is learn the truth. So let's take a look at the, the scriptures that go with this. There are scriptures that go with this. Thank you. Okay. Um, this first one is from Jesus the night before he was betrayed, the night before he was crucified. And he's praying for his apostles or his disciples, and he's saying, sanctify them by the truth, your word is truth. Okay, sanctification means you're being changed for the better. And he's saying, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Basically, he's saying, people get sanctified by believing the truth, by following the truth. So if you follow the truth, you will change. The, Holy, the Spirit will make sure you change. And the change is, we're supposed to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the example we go after. Is we want to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus and then, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our minds need to be changed. From day one, our minds are corrupted. We get all this bad information, all of it, a lot of it bad. But I've got to be honest, I've been through, <laughs> it's going to sound funny, a fair amount of counseling and psychological kind of testing and stuff like that. And the things that have come back have been true and right. I don't know how they got it doing their testing. So I don't want to throw that out. But the main truth we have to live on is what God says in his word. So, you know, well, okay. How do I find out what the truth is? Well, first, you got to adjust your schedule to read your Bible. That's a given. I know people that make sure that there's time allocated for the Seahawks game this afternoon. Ooh. That starts at about 1.30. You'll get over about 
How much, how much time is that? Now, if it was the 49ers, I wouldn't be watching the game. <laughs> Sorry. But you see, you have to adjust your schedule. Now, I've also run into people who have trouble reading. I get it. There's audiobooks, there's YouTube with great preachers, there's other Christians you can talk to that are farther along. But the thing is, you can't tell what the, a lie is without knowing the truth. You won't know what to do without knowing what you're supposed to do, which comes out of God's Word. It's very simple. So, learn the truth, start transforming your mind. Okay, let's take a look at the second one here. Okay, learn to walk. Ah, yes. Okay, Pete. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. You hear it again? There's that conflict. This was Paul's first book, Galatians, which was written far before Romans. So he already had this concept. He says, they are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So what, what does the Spirit say about the direction you're going? What, what, what leading is he giving you? Um, Isaiah 30 says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. How many times have you heard this voice say, go to the right, but you go to the left, and then later you drop back and say, should have gone to the right. You have to tune your ear to be able to walk and listen to what the Spirit says. Again, this goes back to knowing what the truth is. If you hear anything or anybody telling you something to do that is against Scripture, guess what? It's not the truth. It is not the truth. It's a lie. So let's go back to our list here. Ah, learn to work. Hmm. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Wait a minute. I got to work out my salvation? This is not where you do things to be good enough to be good enough in God's sight to be allowed into heaven. This is where we come to a saving faith in Christ. We accept his offer of salvation. We repent of our sins. And he doesn't leave us in the position we were in. He says, okay, we have some work to do. We have some work to do. And we have to do something. And you say, well, how do, I, how do I figure out what I'm supposed to do? Well, one thing I've done over the years is uh, you just go to the fruit of the Spirit, which is in Galatians 5. And you read what they are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think that, is there any more? Okay, thank you. Pick one. Just pick one. Say it's Peace. Ask God, how, how, how do I make this work? How do I make peace happen? Read the scriptures to find out what it is. 
You listen for God's direction. You pray. You read Christian Arthur's. You experience what peace is not like. And then you go, no, I don't like that. I don't like that non-peace. How did I cause that non-peace to happen? And you go, hmm, I don't want to do that anymore. But I'm sorry to say that most Christians won't do the work. It's like the guy, the doctor told him, you need to exercise more for your health. And that guy goes and buys exercise videos and he watches them. <laughs> Let's look at the fourth one. It says, learn to depend. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I have to honestly say, if there was, if, <laughs> if, we were the house on one of these fixer-upper shows on HGTV. If we were the house, we would be a gut job. We would, everything would be redone. I don't know if there would be shiplap or not, but everything would be done. Right? Quartz countertop. So, God is the one that carries it out to completion. We just have to follow him and do what he says. If he says, go to the left, go to the left. If he says, do this, do this. And sometimes it makes no sense. Sometimes it's illogical what he's telling us. Like, well, this doesn't make sense. But if we follow what he says, we end up becoming more conformed in the image of his son, which is what we want, which is what our inner spirit, our spiritual nature is saying, go here, don't go there. But the whole time, we've got this sin thing going, nah, you don't want to do that. You really, nah, you don't want to do that. Nah, that's too hard. Nah, don't do that. Do this. We have this battle. See, but like the song went, therefore not I, but Christ in me can fight that issue. It's on him. We can't do it on our own. I can't be good enough. I can't fight off sin on my own. I can manage it, I can control it, but over time, it will win that battle. The thing is, this is a war. There's many battles. All God is asking is that we hang in there and with him win some of these battles so over time, these things of like blowing up in the parking lot, they disappear and you don't know why. They just do, and you go, hmm. So, here they are one more time. Learn the truth, learn to walk, learn to work, learn to depend. Um, as usual, i got to throw my lyrics in here. Um, I want to close with this. Um, this song, <laughs> again, this is so much fun, was written by a Catholic monk and I know for some people they go, what? Uh, why are you bringing this into here? But this guy's music and his lyrics are so telling and so truthful. Um, the guy's name is John Michael Talbot. His stuff from the early 80s is great stuff. Um, but uh, this is one of his songs. It's called Grace, Nature and Grace. So it says, um, Deep within me there lies a true distinction between the things I would and what I really do. Hmm. 
I cannot believe that I am so unusual. Isn't this the common sorrow within me and you? Yeah, it is. Nature will seek to be exalted in authority, to argue its opinion, and to have all the world conform. But grace only comes in a silent assuredness, speaking only to conform a man unto his Lord. Just let that sink in. Nature will seek to be exalted in authority. When you fight for your rights, when you get mad because that guy cut you off at the grocery store line, all that kind of stuff, that's your nature popping out. It's your nature. And I get it. I get it. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's clear enough for us to understand. Thank you that it's here for us to see what's really going on with us. And I pray that you help us as we deal with this battle that's within us. Pray your Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen.